Took a minute to get situated. Yeah, that was fine. Praise God. If he was with us Sunday, wasn't Sunday an awesome day? I would love to say for the my Kingdom Life family that made the trip, thank you. It was very comforting speaking to people that you don't know so well. And I could look over and see my section of Kingdom Life. I had the wingman over here, you know, when I needed a when I needed when a, a hallelujah, I have one and just that comforting face, and I love you people so much. You're awesome. It was just a, a wonderful day, and God is doing so much, and we are moving, beginning to move rapidly. So, that being said, the most beaming with pride all day long afterwards was for my wife, Paige. What a awesome woman of God, never left my side, and the power coming off of her was incredible. And I'm going to let her come share a testimony, and I might not get it back. Uh, oh, no, they're following right after you, Lee. You know, they, they like to think it's all about them, Tori, but hey, girl, it's about us. Okay. Okay, that night, that before, the Saturday night, when... Gene said, Cajun Parrot, whatever, we, Carrie and Paige are going, are going to be going out and doing a healing service. What popped in my mind? What? You crazy. What? Carrie's going to be doing it. Paige will be sitting there watching, doing my little worship and praying for my husband. But, you know, fear it used to attack me all the time, but, and I, um, like when we were coming the other night for Tori, Christian was like, man, I bet she's so scared. And I'm like, you don't get it. It's not fear anymore. It, it's gone because you know, God is going to show up and do it. So, um, Carrie prepared and I prepared and I studied the healing scriptures and, you know, it wasn't, when Gene says that, he doesn't bring you a pamphlet and say, here, this is how it's going to be. You're just like, well, okay, I guess I'll just show up and do whatever. So we showed up and we worshiped. And we started and the first, we got up and so I get behind Carrie and I'm not sure how this is going to go. I don't think anybody really is. And um, there are so many people starting to come up and get in line. But Carrie is the one standing in the front, and so I'm standing beside him. And then I, I'm not sure if Butch had come up at the time, but I know you were there, and you had, I could feel the intercessors, and I, you know, I noticed out of the corner of my eye, I saw Wendy in the corner, and I know Tom and Brenda were there, and, and I have spoken before on the body of Christ and how we are a body. And how when all of us are functioning, we are so much more powerful. Like the fan I brought up. And I could feel the power. And it was just knowing everyone was there. And this father came up with his little girl in his arms that was about six years old. And her grandparents were with him. And this little girl had a tube coming out of her nose. And she had the, I don't know where it went and all, but... Um, he didn't really say what was wrong with her, but she was bald-headed, and you could tell she'd been through a lot 
because when we all approached her, she just started crying and holding on to her daddy. So we were like, okay, we're not going to take you. We're not going to touch you. We just all stood back. And so like I said, I didn't know what I was supposed to be saying or doing. or So I'd been studying the healing scriptures, and I just had been praying for my husband and praying that he would use us because we are one body, and I knew that us being together, it would be more powerful. And so as we stood there, I started praying for him and started, you know, reminding God of all of his promises and reminding him of the healing scriptures and reminding God, God, here come my notes, Carrie. You say that those who believe will cast out demons and heal the sick. And I was saying all this in my mind, and I was like, Lord, you give us power and authority to drive out the demons and cure all diseases. And then there's all these scriptures that I have meditated on since I have been coming here because other reasons, but all of these are in me all of the time. Um, like the scripture I quoted when Matthew was sick, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And when I taught before on sickness, if you were here, if you heard it, sickness is for the glory of God. It's not from God. It's from Satan, and it's for the glory of God. And I kept reminding God that. This is for your glory. And then there's the one scripture that I speak a hundred times a day, all day long, for it applies to everything. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And I just kept quoting it, and I said, God, for this purpose, what purpose is it now? For this little girl, for this purpose, the Son of God, Jesus, was sent. For this little girl, and I was doing all of this in my mind while I was worshiping, and while I was praying for it was just all going through my head, and I was focusing on that scripture. And I was like, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy. And I was saying, God, you sent your son Jesus, and he died on that cross. They nailed him to that cross, and they beat him for this little girl. And the stripes that he took are for this purpose, God. Show up, God. Show us your glory for your glory, God. We will all, we're giving you your glory. And I could feel the whole room, everybody in there was in travail. And I could hear it and I could feel it and the whole body. And something inside of me just started, like it is now, it just started shaking and it just started spinning. And it started at my, at my feet and it was like a hurricane inside of me. And it just shot out of me. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he will destroy the works of the devil. And it was not my voice. It was something else. And I felt it come out of my mouth like a throwing up. Excuse the term. but And when it came out of my mouth, I felt it hit the wall. And I felt it spin around the room. And I just felt... I felt the when the body is together and we're worshiping, I just feel the power. And when I spoke it, I just felt it circle the room and circle the room and circle the room. And then Carrie looked at me and he said, speak, Paige. And I was like, um, I well, think, let me I, just think I just spoke. Something just spoke. Me, I don't interject. have anything to say. When she said that, the power coming off of her pushed me backwards. And I elevated her forward. And I said, speak, because it hit me so powerful. Now, I just wanted to get out of the way. 
I did. That's the truth. I wanted to move. And Paige looked at me and went, I got nothing. Um, I already I, did it. I already did speak. I said it already. We can go home now. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And so that was just one experience. And then from there on, it just kept going and it just kept flowing. Um, I kept thinking, oh, gosh, I'm going to get tired. I'm going to get thirsty. I'm going to get, we can't, I can't can't keep doing this and and I kept stopping that thought and I just kept going and I just kept praying for my husband and then I I just kept going through the cycle I would pray for Carrie I would pray for us I would pray for the people in the room I would quote the scriptures and I know at one time I just it kind of didn't feel it anymore so I ran and got my scriptures out of my Bible and I took them to Joshua and I said you read this over and over and you keep speaking these healing scriptures into this atmosphere and so then I came back and got back in the order, and I just thought that's got to be coming out. It's got to be in this atmosphere, and it was just, but when it was over, we weren't tired, and we were fine. Yeah, it was great. You said something not long ago, grace will never wear you out, and that's the first time I experienced, because that was a four-and-a-half-hour service. I I don't know how many people were there, but it seemed like I prayed for people for hours. But it went by like 10 minutes. And an incredible, intense focus. And when it was done, I mean, the flesh felt tired, but I was so elevated. And I operated in such an intense focus. I've never experienced that fo- that kind of focus even in here. Yeah, and I've never experienced anything like what I felt at that moment, I've never even experienced that here. It was, so praise God, we give him all the glory. He showed up and he showed off. So praise God, praise God. Oh, yes. Uh, You know, that was Paige's birthday. Last Sunday was Paige's birthday. so. So what an awesome way we celebrated her birthday in God's um, service. So, that we get home about, I don't know, about five o'clock in the afternoon, and we turned right back around and drove all the way back to Johnny Harris for her birthday dinner with her family. And then we didn't get back home until about 9.30. So by the time I got back home, I was tired. Um, and it's the first night that I can remember in a very, very, very long time that I slept all the way through and never woke up. I'm a very light sleeper, and I get up two or three times a night. I slept all the way through. Okay, just another testimony. I don't know if y'all know, but Carrie's son Christian is 22, and he's been through some finding himself times, and he came with us. He's never heard Carrie speak or Ben, but he came with us that day. He and Joshua, and it was, he was wowed. He was like, wow, that's, I couldn't believe that. And the whole time they were sitting there with their eyes this big, you know, like, and then I know I gave my testimony to start the night, to start the service. And I only experienced the things that I did. And Zinnia and I have talked about this. We've been through some tough times in the past. But in Deuteronomy, it tells us that God is carrying us through everything. His arms are under us and he is taking us through for a purpose, and and we just have to just know what to get up. 
telling my testimony that day, and there's so much more to it than that, but telling it, you know, I look over at Joshua, and he's crying, and so many people in the audience are crying. I'm like, okay, God, thank you. I've experienced that. It's in my past. It is done, and you carried me through it, and you protected me at all times. So for this purpose, and it was powerful that day, but I guess the testimony I got back up to say is the way it affected Joshua and Christian that day. So it was it was great. A year ago, she said, I'm not getting up there. I'm not doing that, Carrie. Now I've got to take up an offering every time she gets up. Praise God. Praise God. I think um, when she would mention my son, um, God is doing a work in my son right now. So intercessors, thank you for praying. He looked at Chris while we were having dinner next door, and he looked at Chris, and he told Chris, I don't recognize my dad. Isn't that awesome? He, I told him on the way down there, you're probably going to see a side of your dad. You don't really, he never heard me speak. And I mean, I, you know, it was all God. You know, all week long, it was so beautiful because all week long, Brenda had actually said, the Lord showed me he's going to begin to download you all week long what you're to teach. And he did. It kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And I was able to stand there and do the whole service. I didn't look at a note. I just knew what God had given me. And I just spoke what he gave me. You know, I'm not going to flatter some philosopher. But you know what? When you just do what God wants you to do, he takes the small and they become giants. Amen? I have felt the presence of God tonight. I'm going to share some of the same message I taught last Sunday. But there's a little twist, and the Lord downloaded this. But I'm going to hit on unforgiveness for a little bit. Because I believe there's, I'm I'm going to be speaking to one person. I think there's just one person that needs to hear this. We probably all need to hear it, but it's for one person. I got this, man. Let me tell you something. When we had worship over here before the service, I didn't know I was going to get to leave. That was powerful. We, we, we were late getting over here because it, it got very strong. But you know, the Lord kept saying to me, there's someone that they have read in their ledger. Now, in case you need that, uh, explain I could bring Zinni up and she could tell you really well if you got red in your ledger that means you owe a debt amen y'all with me now Lord help me because I got this going on this is the good thing I just feel the power of God right now Jesus said if your brother offends you he said Go to him, tell him his offense, tell him what he's done. And if he won't hear you, then go back and get two more brothers and go back to him again and tell him his offense again. Then if he won't hear you, then take him before the church, bring the whole body in. And if at that point he still will not reconcile, then he said, treat him like a tax collector 
and a heathen. That's the word. That's the word. Unforgiveness will frustrate the grace of God. Come on, you with me? You asked me what I needed. Did I need anything out tonight? I didn't at the time, but I do now if I had the unforgiveness chart. But no, it's okay. Because y'all seen the chart and you know it. But if you want to get it, Chris, you're welcome to get it. Unforgiveness will keep you from your destiny with God. Now understand something. I don't have any notes. All this came over here. It will keep you from your destiny with God. It'll keep you with your destiny with other people. Some people come into your life for a reason and only a season. Now, Peter was listening to Jesus. I love Peter. Y'all know my affection for Peter. Right? Peter is listening to, to the Lord Jesus speak on this. Go to your brother. So Peter says, Lord. Y'all right back there? <laughs> it's a narrow place. If you find it, but I can tell you, that man will find it. Praise God. Trying to keep going here. Peter, you know how Peter was, you know, when the Garden of Gethsemane, he was the first one that drew the sword? We have an unforgiveness chart. Praise God. Good thing I can see through it. <laughs> He'd have told me, go get your own chart. <laughs> Praise God. Now, as, as I said, let me back up here because we've got a little distracted. As Jesus was telling about the brother with the offense, Peter's listening. And um, Todd, you don't want, I'm not going to be really reading the scriptures tonight, but this is Matthew 18, and it starts at about verse 21. It might help me keep up. 21 through about 35. I can see Peter in my... Now, this isn't in the Word. This isn't recorded in the Word. This is just what I saw. I can see Peter thinking when he says, Now, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive? You know that Pharisee, what's his name over there? How many times do I have to forgive him? Seven times? Because Peter's thinking, I'm on number seven. And if he says seven, it's on tomorrow. I'm going to take care of that man. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind, all two cents worth, tomorrow morning. Right? Why? Because of pride. Point blank. Because of pride. The word says to be quick to here, slow to speak, for anger will not, where's anger at? Produce what? 
the righteousness of God, which is the right standing with Him. Boy, when I finally learned that I can really really be quiet, I do really have the ability to be quiet. You know, I have the right and the ability. That was one of the best days of my life when I figured out I really could be quiet. But now, he asked Jesus. He said, how many times do I forgive them? He said, seven. And what did Jesus say? He said, no, 70 times seven. Todd, help me with the math because you're the math guy around here. I think that's 490 times, right? 490 times. Now, wait a minute. But it wasn't about the times. The Lord wasn't saying 490 times on the 491st time, smack him. He wasn't saying that. He was saying as many times as it takes. How many of you have had to face somebody and take the beating? Oh, we used to have a little thing around here called the pulse meeting. You know why we call it the pulse meeting? Because after it was over with, my pulse was doing 120. That's why we call it the pulse meeting. They matured me. They did. Now I may have had to get in my car and go drive off down a road, and I was like, you Sam and he Sam from Bugs Bunny. Or, or I would go to the edge of my office outside by the tree, under the tree, and I'm going, I can't take it anymore, God. Come on. I felt like you. Are you not going to protect me? If you can't protect me, I need to do something else. I'm being comical here, but I'm really fixing to get to a a real strong point. So stay with me. God is good. He said, "Hmm, the kingdom of God is like when you hear this in the four gospels the kingdom of God is like your ears need to go your spiritual radar need to be paying attention amen why ooh test time why are you in the church age or the kingdom age alright you didn't pass the test Did he blame it on you, Zinni? No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Oh, Jesus, it's getting deep in here now. Verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. See, this king, he looked at his accounts and he saw Read in his ledger. He calls for this servant. This servant comes and he says, Hey, you owe me 10,000 talents. Understand something. A talent was a unit of measurement. It was not money. It was a unit of measurement. Now, if we go by today's standards considering, and I had to figure this out a little bit, a talent would have been, the 10,000 talents would have been about 
$60 million. $60 million. This brother had credit, let me tell you. He had credit. So now the king says, much like the bank did me, thank you for your business, now write me a check. And he says, I don't have the ability to pay. He said, then the king said, lock him up, sell his wife and his children and all of his belongings and lock him up until the debt is paid. And what did this servant do? He fell down on his face before the king and he began to ask for mercy. And as he asked for this mercy, the king had compassion upon him and felt love for him and forgave his debt. Now let me ask you something. What kind of king forgives $60 million? The king of kings and the Lord of lords. He ransomed a price that was so great for you. You're not worth $60 million. I'm not worth $16. But God in his infinite love ransomed Jesus that covered it all. You with me? He forgave this servant. Next thing. The same servant, he gets up. He goes and finds his servant who owes him a hundred denarii. Now, if you want to know, one denarii was about a day's wage. One day's wage. It was about $20 worth of bread. And he owed him a hundred so that would have been about $2,000 or about three months and 10 days worth of wages. And he took him by the throat. Come on. He took him by the throat and demanded him payment. After that, the same thing he had done to the king, his servant fell at his feet and he began to say, have patience with me. I'll pay it all. Have mercy upon me. And he delivered his servant to the tormentors until the debt was paid. Now, it was 90 days plus 10 wages the wages he owed that was forgiven was a hundred and sixty thousand years. You with me? And yet he had no mercy, no compassion, and no forgiveness for someone that owed him far less than what he owed the king. Unforgiveness will keep you from your destiny with God. I'll say it again. It will frustrate grace from you. 
And if you do it long enough, he'll run out of his mercy. Amen? So when the king's servants had seen the way he treated his servant, they went and tattled and said, can you believe what he did? And it angered the king. And the king said, bring him to me. And he came back before him and he said, you wicked, wicked servant. He said, did I not have compassion upon you? Did I not pardon and forgive your debt? Are y'all with me? Are y'all following this? Now, this is where the rubber hits the road. Verse 32, Todd, if you want to put it up on the screen, and I can, it'll be easier for me to read up there if you want. 32 through 35. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion upon your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him. This is where it's important. Listen. And delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. You ready? So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Doesn't that just didn't that hit you? After I told this story, doesn't it hit you? This is what happens. This is what unforgiveness will do. And this is an absolute straight from the mouth of God. So my heavenly Father also will do to, do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. Turn you over to the torturers. 160,000 years, he could never repay it in his lifetime nor ten generations of his lineage after that. This parable shows you the loving, forgiving nature of God that wants to take your ledger in red and wipe it clean. He wants to say, I forgive you. But we have to say, yes. And sometimes we don't do it because of pride, anger, envy, jealousy, and complaining. Amen? This wasn't even really a part of my message. It just started hitting me. Just started hitting me. And to do that, we have to do what, Kendrick? Oh, say it again, brother. Come to the end of yourself. Here's pretty much where I started last Sunday. When we come to the end of ourselves and say yes to God, and you know, where's Mamie at? She's in the children's room. I am so proud of Mamie. That's right. The daughter just went, yes. Her and Carl came over to my house, I guess, about a month before Christmas, and she was what I call, she was in full hell rebel. I sat there and just about told her that. Boom. But the light finally went off. Just like it did me. 
just like it did you. Just like it did you. It took you a long time, man. The light went off, and she just said yes. And when we start saying yes, grace starts pouring and flowing. Amen? Let me tell you, coming to the end of yourself is the most blessed place you will ever be. Blind Bartimaeus, sitting on the side of the road, he caught him coming in the city and going out of the city. He was collecting money. He was a beggar. Blind Bartimaeus finally came to, and you're in my, you're in my message, brother. It's coming. God's been just downloading. I'm coming at you. Just wait. I'm telling you, I'm feeling it. Coming in the city and going out of the city. And finally, blind Barnabas had had enough. He come to the end of himself because he got sick and tired of being sick and tired and sick and tired of begging for money. And as he said this, he saw Jesus after hearing of Jesus. After he heard of Jesus, he had been hearing about the miracles, the uh, the healings that Jesus was doing. And so he grasped that in his mind. He said, Jesus is coming. So he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Having mercy. Anytime you're saying, God, have mercy on me. And Eddie Joe, this is where you come in. Because I remember when Gene and I were, came to the hospital and Gene was on one side and I was on the other side. And see, there's a time that will come in your life when you can't help yourself anymore and as I watched you laying there unconscious you were not responding to any of us I began and I put my hand on your head and I began to say mercy mercy God I ask you for mercy father give him another opportunity I prayed that prayer ask your brother and I was saying God come into this room and we prayed and I prayed but you know the biggest thing I saw the next time I came in because I've been praying. Everybody had been praying for you. And the next time I came in, you were awake. And your voice was just as clear as mine. That lets me know it's more spiritual than it is physical. And the Lord would say to you, this is coming out of worship, that if you will be obedient to God. Stand up, buddy. I need you to stand up. If you will be obedient to God, the voices that are not His will dissipate. If disobedience continues, you will frustrate grace and run out of mercy. Remember what I told you? Remember what I text you? When you were giving your testimony, I was about to fall on the floor. Father, there's no difference between me and you. Something's bigger. Same call. I had to say it, man. I was in worship. I love you. When you can't help yourself, God steps in. He brings us mercy. Amen. You can sit down. So blind Bartimaeus, he comes to the end of himself. And that's point number one. What was point number two, Kendrick? I changed the wording. After you, after you have a, a message, it comes to you in a different way. He got a revelation of who Christ was. And then, yes, you did, buddy. You did good. Kenrick's, Kenrick's my wingman right now. He, he listened to this message. 
He grasped who Jesus was, but the Lord said, that was the revelation of who I was. And as blind Bartimaeus had a revelation of who God was, because he said what? He said, Jesus, son of David. And when a Jew called someone son of David, he recognized royalty coming down the road. And as he recognized this royalty, he was the genealogy and the descendant of King David, the greatest king that Israel had ever had, but not more, but more than more so than that, when they said son of David, it was prophesied. He was saying, You are the Messiah, you are the deliverer. And he's saying, Today, the same exact thing. So number one, blind Bartimaeus came to the end of himself. Number two, he had a revelation of who Jesus was. What was number three, Kendrick? Give that man an A. He is, so, he is awesome. Right here. Kendrick, smart guy. He began to be persistent. What were they screaming? Hey, man, be quiet. Don't trouble the master. Be still. Hush. And he cried out even the louder. So he was going to be persistent right on through the opposition. What opposition comes at you? Are we persistent? Do we chase after God? Amen? Do we? Hot in here. Blind Bartimaeus, he came to the end of himself. He had a revelation, revelation of who Jesus was. He was persistent through all the opposition. Okay, Kendrick, you're three for four. What was the last one? He had an expectation of transformation. He had an expectation of transformation. You didn't hear this message. Are you following it? Are you with me? What was his expectation? See, blind Bartimaeus wore a robe. It was a robe given him to the government, by the government, that allowed him to be the beggar. It identified who he was. And the Gospel of Mark says he came out of it. Because Jesus called him. He was going to Jesus. He wasn't going to need the begging robe anymore. He was going to Christ who was going to deliver him. And finally, blind Bartimaeus asked the right question. Jesus said, what is it that you want from me? I always thought that was a funny question. I'm blind. He could have asked several different things, and this goes in deeper to my message. He, didn't, he could have asked for money. He could have asked for a place to stay. He could have asked for many things, but he said that I may receive my sight. Amen. So blind Bartimaeus went through a whole step and process. But you know what? I got to thinking about this whole thing this week. And this was, Sunday was for the, for the healing service. You know, it was, it was, I put the whole message together for salvation and healing. But this is every part of our life. Whatever the need may be, I have to come to the end of myself, have a revelation of who Christ is. 
I have to plow right through the opposition and I have to have an expectation of what I'm asking God for is coming to me when I pray believing that I have already received those things. It will come to pass. Amen. <clears throat> Man at the gate. Paul Beautiful, who was lame. Here's the facts about him. He was lame all his life since birth. He was 40 years old, and they laid him at that gate every day, right in the gate of the temple. Matthew records that Jesus taught in that temple every day, taught daily with them. As they taught daily with him, he had to have heard. He had to have heard what was going on. He had to have heard the healings, the demons being cast out by Jesus. Amen? But yet in this process, this man never asked the right thing. Jesus had to walk right by him and probably step over him every day. And all he would do was jingle his cup. Had a coin in it, jingling in his cup. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she heard of Jesus. Blind Barimaeus, it said, he heard that Jesus was coming down the road. This man saw Jesus. And yet nothing transpired with him. Why? Because he wasn't asking the right thing. And I love this because Jesus saw the end from the beginning. And he knew that his healing was going to be for an appointed time. And in this appointed time, 5,000 people would be saved. If you know the story, here comes Peter and John. Walk up to the gate. And Peter says, silver and gold have I not. See Jesus the whole time. He didn't ask anything, but Jesus always had compassion for people. Jesus was reaching in his pocket and he was putting silver and gold in that cup every time, sustaining that man until his appointed time. So when they get into the temple, Peter and John raise him up. He's in the temple now. He's yelling. He's carrying on. Everything's working. The people are praising, and the people begin to look at Peter and John. And Peter said, why are you looking at us? We didn't do it. It's not our power that did this. And Peter said, it was you who crucified Christ, the Prince of Life. You crucified him. You led him before Pilate when Pilate didn't want to have anything to do with him. You asked for a murderer, and you crucified him. He said, but you did it in your ignorance. I love this part because you did it in your ignorance. However, you know, when I was down there, this became a powerful moment to me. I said, how many of you have heard a salvation message? Everybody in there, I, I don't know, there was maybe, what, 200 people in there? Every hand went up, every hand. I said, how many of you have been in church for 10 years or longer? Most everybody raised their hand. I said, you're not ignorant. They crucified Christ out of ignorance. You've heard. In 2 Timothy 2, 19-21 said, The Lord said He knows whom is His. Knows whom is His. And whoever confesses the name of the Lord must turn from their wickedness. So you know, it lets me know you can confess Jesus all day long, but if there's not fruit coming out of your life, you're in trouble. Amen? 
So Peter preaches this message. 5,000 people were saved. 5,000. It was his appointed time. I prayed for, I can't tell you the people I prayed for. I long for the, to hear the testimonies coming. Amen. Where was I? Yeah. You know, it's harder preaching this message to you. It really is. Anyway, I went on to tell them that heaven, hell is a very real place. Place of torment, utter torment, where the fire never stops and the worms don't die. Need a minute. I think I'm supposed to stop. The Lord keeps taking me back to unforgiveness. That's where this whole thing started. Somebody dim the lights for me, please. You're holding any kind of unforgiveness right now. Please come forward. Paige and I are going to pray for you.